I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV Podcast 475's After Show. After show. Yeah. We're here. After shows, and somehow if you're new here, a few of you might be. This is where we talk anything and everything, and often we will, we will rely on the chat board to uh, maybe help steer or continue the conversation and or topics. You know, some people go out and ask for topics that they feel like need to be talked about. The regular show, we shove down your throat whatever we want, and then in the after show, we react to whatever you give us. Yeah, we're on the fly kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, we're on the fly. So, after show is here. Let's start with everyone's favorite, which really, I think, kind of quietly slid under the radar today. Ratings updates! Nobody cares. No, they do. Uh, The only note I'm going to make, because I literally looked at zero other ratings today. I was up at 1 or 2 a.m. still, and I happened to hit refresh because it randomly crossed my thought pattern. Kristen, thought there, remains sub-1,000. Where at sub-1,000? She went down, actually, didn't she? Two points. Sub-1,000. This is of no disrespect in any way. This is simply a time and date stamp for you. Obviously, the entire conversation Stop rubbing it in. was all about her getting to 1,000. I still think she will get there. Probably. But she's not getting there in today's update. She is officially... She's not getting there this year. That's, at 998. Unless she... Well, no, Pro Tour probably doesn't. Uh, that's a good question. I wonder, It should not. Why not? Uh, mainly because you're given five strokes if you're good. Could, could you not? Good rounds three and four count. Yeah. Maybe. Rounds one and two absolutely should not. Couldn't you no. submit the PDJ score without those? No. That'd be stupid. 
because you play differently if you've got a five stroke lead. I know. I and you I get agree. down the whole, you know, whatever, a whole ten, and from that point forward, you cruise. You've already got in a five stroke lead, yeah. and all you have to do is you know be in the top X amount for the next day. No. Now, if rounds three and four somehow counted, after, great. After the scores Flip are reset, coin, do I care? Eh, whatever. But rounds one and two absolutely should not. And we they're not going to, to quickly gloss over that. This weekend is going to be a unique format, and I don't have it in front of me. But the long and short of it is the worst higher, shot triples. <laughs> the higher you finished during the pro tour, generally speaking, the better, more. Uh, advantage you're going to have coming into what we're deeming as the semifinals and the semifinals i'll just i have it right in front of me on the fpo side the semifinals Kristen, who won the tour is five under par which i which kind of sounds funny right it's like good she start. hasn't even started playing it's a solid she start. is she is is even shows it on you this very minute i know she is five under par missy gannon is four under par Owen Scoggins, Holland Hanley are both three under par, and I'm already there, so I'm going to read the rest. Ella Hansen, Kat Merch, Haley King, Katrina Allen are all two under par, and then the next card, Sarah Hocum, Macy Valadez, Jessica Weiss, and Allie Smith are all one under par. Those are your top 12 women in the Pro Tour standings that are at the event. The rest of the women, the other nine, seven, eight, nine women, are all even. And I know this is sounds really weird to wrap your head around, so it's good we have an extra night here on a Tuesday to even discuss it quickly. Mm. But that's where they're starting. So what they'll do is those are the scores they're at this very minute. They're going to play one round on Thursday at Nevin with those with those starting scores. Then they will carry over whatever score they have. So if Kristen's at five under, she shoots another five under. She's at ten under. She carries that into Friday's round. Everyone carries every score from Thursday into Friday. And then at the end of Friday, there's a cut. There's a cut to the finals. And then everyone else starts at zero. Everyone starts at zero. I don't like that. I hear you. Everyone starts at zero. And they play Saturday and Sunday. I would like. Oh, God. Yes. What would you like? Additional strokes. On Saturday and Sunday. So Tatar would not five, maybe make it like two or three, maybe two strokes. Make it only get like the top three people. Maybe it was three, two, one. Just because I get resetting it, but ultimately, I feel like one of the complaints with the old setup was not only did people not get to see players. All four days, which I think is a silly argument and whatever. Um, But that we maybe got a little bit of flukiness with some of the winners. Nathan Queen winning. Just it it felt and no disrespect to Nathan because he put on, you know, he he crushed. He cruised through those rounds. But I think people wanted a a more traditional style. But I feel like what's going to happen when after, you know, some, someone skates in an eighth, whoever that might be, all the scores are reset. And then that person wins by one after the two rounds. Cause then it becomes a two round tournament. As we know, anything can happen in two rounds. 
usually the more rounds, the more the the cream will rise to the top, just statistically. Uh, is it going to be, is it really any different? Is it any less quote unquote fluky as opposed to ha- having the way it was? I, I don't know. I would love to see, you know, winning the tour, give you maybe a little bit more advantage, reset the scores and then give them like a three, two, one for the top three people. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. I was just thinking this before. I'm like, it's, you know, it is what it is. We'll see how it plays out. Well, and then just to also further clarify, uh, well, first of all, there's it's different on the uh, MPO side. I'll quickly just read a few of well, Calvin. Sam says the idea is get the strokes out after the cut. The scores go back to what they shot. No, after the cut, it goes, everyone's zero, playing from zero. zero. Everyone's like playing zero, from the zero. exact same spot. So it's like a brand new tournament yeah, after it, the cut. It's it's like, hey, you just showed up to Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to play a two-round tournament. And winner is winner. the winner at that yeah. point. So uh, On the MPO side, quickly, Kelvin, your, your winner, he got six strokes as opposed to Kristen getting five. I think that's just kind of the overall because of field sizes. Yep. Uh, Isaac Robinson has five. Gannon Burr and Ricky Waisaki round out that top card, uh, both starting at four under. Uh, McMahon, Oram, Lazat. Klein all have three strokes or at three under. Barella, Radalin, Proctor, and Ezra Robinson are all at two under, along with Alden Harris, Goose, Chris Dickerson, Ezra Aderhold. And then Kevin Jones, Adam Hammes, Bradley Williams, James Conrad, Ben Calloway, Corey Ellis, Joel Freeman, and Chris Allen, uh, Chris Ellens, wow, Chris Clemens all have uh, one stroke. They're all one under. Everyone else is even. Uh, that's what you have on the MPO side. Again, 32 competitors, top 12 advance to the finals. So you have to have to be in the top 12. Now, you just said it earlier, too. You'd love to see you know the higher finishers have a little more of advantage. Always keep in mind, ties are simply by tour points. Correct. So it, there could be a nine-way tie for that 12th spot. Whoever had the most tour points gets that. There's no extra holes or playoff of any kind at that point. Whoever uh, has the the came in as the higher better seed just automatically continues in a tiebreaker scenario. So actually, Sam on the board said that that's not what he thought, but that was his idea was just to say yeah after okay. after those two rounds, make the cut and then take the. Strokes um, take away. the strokes away and let them play. So it it actually forces you. So Kristen Tatar can't just with six or seven or eight holes to go. If she has a six stroke lead, she's making sure she can't just cruise in. She's going to want to continue to push in order to maintain those strokes. I could see something like that. I would not be opposed to that. Um, it, it would make it would force players to continue to try and play well as opposed to just thinking, well, I'm pretty much in. I don't have to really. All I have to do is maintain here. Yeah, I, you know, because I've got, I've got, I've got six strokes over eighth place with five to go. Now I can just cruise. Uh, and and we also hear from plenty of players who talk about changing up a strategy of you know just trying to protect holes or protect strokes. Sometimes yeah. how quickly that can backfire. And we're talking about a course like Nevin, uh, where strokes can be you know so to speak thrown all over the place. Uh, you know, it, it, of course, a different style of course, you know, I, I think it's easier to play safe or otherwise it may not be the case at a place like Nevin. So anyway, that's the format. I just wanted to share that uh, it will be confusing, I'm sure, uh, to some degree, although I do feel of all the formats we've had 
in the last few years, this is the easiest. This is to the understand. most straightforward one it we have had. Might not be my favorite, but it's the easiest it one. It is to the understand. most straightforward. And also to clarify, as I listed off all of the uh, women a moment ago, of the twenty uh, that will all start on Thursday, it and they'll all play Thursday and Friday. It's the top eight on the FPO side. So top eight on FPO, top twelve on MPO. Okay, man, I hope those rounds go fast. They should. Uh, they should. We're not going to have a lot of other, you know, obviously cards on the course. You would like to think that uh, things should move along pretty swiftly. T-swiftly, that is. Oh, T-swiftly. I missed her at the game last night. Or not last night, she, Sunday. She wasn't. I don't think she was at the game. No, on Sunday she wasn't. No. Um, I missed but- her. For those, uh, for those wondering, she missed me too. By the, the way, the, yeah, certainly did. The course is a little different from the previous year. Some of the holes are renumbered. There are actually different holes this year. The, mm-hmm. I know the crew's been putting in a ton of work out there. Some of it couldn't even be started until Monday, is my understanding. So it, the course is going to be different than what you recall from last year. Uh, I've got a whole document, but that that'll get uh, that'll get broken down as we lead into the first round. And you can go to UDisc and look at this uh, the the scores and click on the maps to see what is going on. If you're really that into it or interested, I'm directing the show, and I'm not even that interested in it. Um, they're gonna play whatever hole you put in front of them. They're gonna play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it Just, works. Uh, show me where to go and what I need to do. Um, <laughs> Where's hole one and what's the course record, right? Exactly, right. Now, one of the... Uh, I, and again, you guys have been following all year, but... <sighs> I don't want to say does it feel weird, but just think about how much... It, and it is what it is because of timing and their own their own volition. But think about how much we've seen and, so to speak, heard from Evelina and Henna over the last few weeks. How how well they've been playing and been in the running for wins. Not just mm-hmm. you know, not just there, but in the running for wins. Whether you think of Evelina at MVP and then you think of what we saw from both of them at the United States women's, then you saw them both having solid finishes here at Throw Pink. Unfortunately for them, too little, too late at this part in the season. Mm-hmm. But to know that today or yesterday they both got on a plane and headed back to Finland, and I wish them the best in their travels in their off season because, of course, they don't want to be finished now. But well, they're still finished. They're still finished. Hey, oh, uh, they don't want their season to come to an end yet. However, it has uh, for their play here. But it, just to me, the fact that we've seen so much of them and now um, yeah, they're already on their way back because they didn't make it into this weekend. So, uh, reading off the board, Carney says, "Why?" Can it not be this order? European Championships, then US DGC, then Tour Championship, and then, and words last, Worlds. Wor- worlds last. The order of it is all kind of dumb. I can understand wanting Worlds to be last, but I can also, I've mentioned, I've brought up before, how do we want Worlds at the end of the season when maybe your players are the most worn out, when your players are maybe the most hurt? There's there's pros and cons to it. I, I get what you're saying. Like You feel like Worlds should be the culmination of the season. It should be the big event to finish everything off, which for many years it was. Like, even the, if it was in uh, July or August, that there wasn't much after that. Sometimes there were a few national tours, but those did not come close to the excitement of a world championships 
I mean, some events just have specific schedules they gotta they gotta be at. You know, European championships. We don't know what that park looks like on other weekends. That might be booked all of September for something, or all of October, or all of May. You know, everybody has a specific weekend, and hopefully, it works out for them. So, Carney asks, "What's the backstory on the punting improvements?" Um, I think it's called. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't know. No, I don't think it is. It might be practice. I I don't think that's exclusively it. I think it is. I, it is more so hmm? mental than physical. I think it's part of it, but I think her her putting looks different. She's not flicking it with her wrist nearly like what she was. It's more. It it is a different, a slightly different style, and a putt like she she just she is more confident and. It is a slightly different putting style. Like I said, it, she used to have like a lot of weird wrist action, and I think that hurt her accuracy, and she has less of that now. So I don't know, but it's a lot of practice too. Because anytime you change up your putt, you need to you will need to practice. And as we saw, you know, practice makes confidence. If you're if you're hitting all of them in practice, you would hope that that would roll over into your tournaments. It doesn't always, because as Kenny said, the fairway between your ears is the uh, <laughs> is the toughest one. Uh, I'm I'm scrolling up on a few comments that were made a little bit earlier in the show. So if you said something there, uh-huh. uh, you just know I got you on watch. Uh, one thing, Ed, Ed, I think it was earlier had said two ca- uh, two marshals on every hole. Insane, absurd, not going to happen, probably ever. And definitely no time in the near future, and a lot of marshals. That's a that's an insane amount of marshals, and that's why that's why I'm completely dismissive of it. Uh, two marshals on every hole just is not practical. Um, so I, I guess I'm just kind of blatantly rolling off with that one. Um, uh, Sam Martin asks me, being that it's been a few years since you got to watch the event in person. Uh, are there any players that impressed me or something to watch on DGN that, or something to watch that DGN doesn't show? I was very impressed by some players, not just their play, because I think that I think DGN does a good job with play. What's on the course. I think you see, and you can experience pretty well. Um, Afterwards, the organization of the players and signing discs. I, I watched. I watched some players come off the course, kind of look at the spectator lines, and never even think about going to sit down to sign discs. They either kind of headed the other direction, maybe they had somewhere to be. Like I'll say this: Kristen Tatar, Kristen Tatar, Kristen Tatar, never once sat down at the signature thing of the PDGA because she went down to to the uh, latitude booth to the latitude Latitude booth and sat there for an hour and a half to two hours every day after the event. So Mm -hmm. like I can't judge a player on what they do because I don't watch them all the time, but there were some players that just didn't sit down there because I don't think Brody ever sat down at the PDGA one because he was at the foundation one. Sure. So he went down there and people could find him down there. Um, But some of the players I watched come off the course and it didn't matter how well they shot or how poorly they shot. 
there were a few of them that just before even seeing the line, they put down their bag and they just turned around the corner and said, who wants a signature? And I was very impressed with that. Um, I think I even told this to Terry, uh, the, the prodigy kids, uh, the Alden and, uh, and Isaac and Gannon and Gavin, like they all just, they just sat there. They, they turned around and they just sat there as long as anyone needed. I watched Aaron Gossage come off the course after a mediocre round. He was so upset with himself. He stood 15 feet from that, uh, signature area and just berate himself under his breath. I was pretty close, so I could kind of hear him, but he kind of paced back and forth for about three minutes, just kind of mumbling, talking to his caddy a little bit about how, how bad he did and how dumb he was and how, you know, he did this and this wrong and how he wasted this opportunity. And then he took a deep breath and most of the chairs were full at that point. And he turned around and he walked up and down the signature line, just making sure everybody got a signature that wanted one. I was super impressed with that. Because you could see how upset he was after his round, but he was able to internalize it, get it out, whatever he needed to do. He wasn't he wasn't obnoxious about it. He was very calm. Mm-hmm. You could see that um, he was just trying to get it out of himself. And then he went on and with a smile on his face, signed every single disc that was out there. I saw players that went out of their way to to visit kids. There was there was a young lady who there who I think she was fighting brain cancer, mm-hmm. and a lot of the women like were pulled out of their way to go get, uh, she'd signed minis for everybody. And so she handed out minis and just, I was very impressed with a lot of the players on how they acted. It was, it was very cool. So that's what impressed me the most. Obviously with USDGC, it's different than every other event because it's the biggest it's, they put in so much effort. So the vendor village was really cool. You know, exclusive drops, um, huge Innova had a huge, area for buying product other places had like your normal tents that you could sell you could buy and sell stuff players just walking around and chatting and things like that all of it, all of which was cool and like i said i missed i didn't get a chance to get on the uh zuka the zuka area but seeing will schustrick again was impressive because you forget how how hard and how straight and how good his form was like i knew it i remember back when he came to Standing Rocks, watching him throw at the time a rock, just so far and so straight. And you know, I remember think, even at the time thinking, "Wow, that's that he throws that far." But then seeing it still at his age, at, at the age, old age of like mid thirties, I think I think he's probably thirty three. I don't know if he's that old. Well, in in two thousand twelve, when he won, yep, he was like eighteen or okay. six, six, 16 or seventeen. Sorry. Oh. So, so yeah. So he's, he's just past 30 that yeah, maybe. So I, I, either way, seeing that was still impressive. Um, realizing how little snap Kenny and Barry have and can still throw it so far. Cause they're so smooth compared yeah. to some of the other guys. Like you, you, ex, you've seen all these young players throw and crush these discs and you hear it come out of their fingers and they throw so hard. And then watching Kenny and Barry throw and they're not throwing the distance that these kids are, but they're throwing pretty far and there's like no audible snap to it. It's all spin and angle control and disc selection. 
it's really cool because someone asked Kenny like, "Oh, what are you throwing these days?" And Kenny's like, "Understable plastic, like katana." <laughs> I throw aliens, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he was like, "He's like, I think I have a katana. I have." Like a, a an old wraith, I have, and it's yeah. just like, and, <laughs> and it made me chuckle. I'm like, yeah, you don't need the newest and best discs. I'm sure, and I'm sure Innova would love for him to throw whatever new stuff they have, but mm. he he is able to get by with Kenny's. Kenny's gonna beat every single person listening to us right now with his bag from he, ten or twelve or fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. For, uh, I, I'd have no doubt about that for sure. So th- that's some of the things that really impressed me. Um at the event and as far as players go i mean i didn't i didn't walk along with much other than the lead cards the top two so and those guys you see all the time on on broadcasts so that what they did didn't really shock me or impress me so to speak not that uh like anything more above and beyond that what i already am uh, i think one of the bigger challenges when you and, and it, I don't want to call it an awkwardness, but there, it's always funny when you sit down at those tents. And that's why I do love the idea of just kind of walking through a line is you sit down at the tent and you don't know if, if there's, if there's a hundred people in line, you don't know if 10 people or 99 people want your signature. And then the way the line meanders, and then there's a couple different pros and there's, there's some might be an awkwardness of, you know, you want this pro, but you don't necessarily want that pro. And, and I think, just all of that kind of decision making that goes into it, as opposed to when a player, like you said, kind of is like, "Hey, anybody that wants one, you know," and you're just kind of walking and picking through. I think it makes it a little less. I, I don't know if it makes it less awkward when or more when someone's like, "I'm good." Yeah, just play just play pretend head down, play pretend. Gossip just walking down the oh, thing. Oh, look at my score! And, my and you've got like two discs in your hand, and he's like, and you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I, um, no, I ain't got anything. He puts them behind his back. And everybody needs you know autographs for different reasons, and sometimes yeah. you you have the disc that matches the player and you only want it on that one or you have your favorite player or you're getting a disc signed for someone else there's all those different you know factors that go into it i think the worst thing anyone can do is ever get offended whatsoever when somebody may or may not want it on theirs because there's so much reasoning that goes on behind uh some mm-hmm. of the uh, now if somebody's like well i i'm only getting top 20 this year and I saw after MVP, you slid into 22nd. So now I'm going to skip you. Like Then maybe that's a little brutal. But otherwise, everybody's got their own reasons for why they would would or wouldn't want any one or more autographs. So, uh, <laughs> But very cool to see so many autographs happening nonetheless. Um, Sam says, DGN did a cool job with Bradley Williams, rounds three and four, even with less than ideal shot. Uh, looked like he was actually having fun. Yeah. Um, you know, Bradley has matured in a lot of ways and we see how he plays golf. We see the fact that he's, I think he said he's 37. Jeez, that guy's old. Telling me. <laughs> and he, he thought, you know, he even had said, he's like, wow, you know, watching Kenny and, and seeing what Kenny was just doing. And then of course there's a lot of the other all time greats that he can look to, but the fact that he is, you, you may not think about it as much because maybe i don't think he gives that kind of 37 year old vibe no he does at all that he's out there hanging with some of the the kids that he kids that he's hanging with these days it's incredibly impressive and he has such i'm obviously as everyone says such a smooth form it doesn't feel like it feels like he could keep that particular form up for another 10 years 
Which and is, just and just keep throwing the same distance without you know. Whereas if you watch again, like a Will Shustrick or a Gannon Burr, the the amount of stress and snap and power they put through their bodies. I was talking to Jen Allen at the uh, at the at the driving competition on the final day, watching these these guys who honestly I couldn't name one of them. It was mm-hmm. kind of funny. I I didn't get a good look at them. I was kind of back a little bit, but it was none of the big names that we would have expected to see, like a a double G and Gannon Burr. Even though I think Gannon did get up there and throw one at some point, it was a bunch of guys who crushed. They threw so far, but. Jen Allen and I were talking and she's like, yeah, how long are these guys going to last? How long, or even these, these girls, some of yeah. them like Holland and, uh, and Eliezer who throws with some really good velocity. Jen's like, I don't know if they're going to have the 30 year career that I am. Mm-hmm. And I said, you don't, we don't know. You're right. We flat out don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but Bradley, I feel like he could keep going like this for a long time, which is, uh, I'll just say this quickly. It's funny because you weren't around when Bradley and I did the runner-up interview, so to speak. No, I tried to avoid you. And mostly. then we were walking. We were walking back to where all the autographs were, along with you know the what ended up being an award ceremony and everything else. And as we were walking back, uh, that's when he told me about this and being thirty-seven. And I, I said almost the exact same thing. I said, with your form, it doesn't feel as if you're putting, you're exerting yourself in the same ways, but you're still getting this very impressive distance. So I said almost literally hmm. the exact same thing you did to him. And uh, as we were walking back after his performance and pretty cool to see, uh, I did not consume as you may expect Johnny nor, nor I really consumed any of what was hardly any of what was taking place on the live broadcast. And because we were out there obviously in person and live and on site, so it's it was just an interesting perspective because most times when I'm on a live broadcast, either I'm in the booth like I'll be tomorrow or this weekend, or I'm out on the course. And this weekend they had Perkins on the course uh, for both of the rounds, so I wasn't in tune with every single word that was being said. And so it was just a, a yet a different perspective overall that I had when it was all said and done and everything was great. So... Uh, Carney is saying DGPT is too long, in my opinion. Rather it be three to 400 feet more technical, uh, better the players also, maybe take 45 minutes off the round. Uh, I mean, that, that's going to continue to be a question that as we grow and involve, and we used to think six and seven and 8,000 foot courses were a big deal. Now we're pushing nine, 10, 11, 12,000, whatever the number is. What did I just see for this weekend at Nevin, which is going to be technical and long? <laughs> at um and I, I got the number for you. Yeah, ten thousand seven hundred and seventy. That's not as long as some of the others, but 10, no, but it's still long. Seven hundred and seventy. Anytime you yeah. get over ten thousand is long. Yeah, you're that's more than average of more than five hundred feet a hole. That's it's crazy. Uh another thing we didn't touch on and I saw them on the board, they probably sensibly logged off since then. Ace Run Pro. Oh, those guys. Those guys. Not only did I get my hugs in, as usual. As did I. But pretty cool that they ultimately are, I don't know if rewarded is quite the right word, but uh, they're they're getting a chase card champion off of their coverage um, in Holland Hanley this week. Spoiler. In Holland Hanley <laughs> this week. So that's, uh, that's kind of cool for them. You know, chase card, no matter who's on it, whether it was Gatekeeper last year or, excuse me, GK, GK Pro. GK Pro on it last year. Ace run this year. Let's be honest, 
chase card FPL struggles to get viewership, uh, regardless of who's on it. Um, and getting more chase card champions would help that. It, it certainly could. And just the fact that those guys, whether you're, <laughs> I always make the, the joke that they're still covering 18 holes of golf and they probably actually technically are covering more of it because they probably threw a few more shots and so to do all of that work and then sometimes not get a, a large following or viewership and you know you still have to do just as much work, the commentators that they line up working just as hard, those guys putting in long days, uh, just nothing but love. And, um, yeah, so this this time getting a chase card champion, something unique clearly for this weekend. Uh, I have a, a dilemma. Oh, Terry, tell that, me. That sidetracked me for just a second. Tell me your dilemma. I'll answer it. Part of my flight in getting to Ben tomorrow, or Redmond technically, and then getting into bed, part of one, my leg, my first, or my United leg. Your left leg or your right on, leg? My United leg. <laughs> my legs. I have the option, upon check-in, I'm a silver member. I have the, the option. Hair, or the old? To... Keep an aisle seat that I currently have back in 28, 28C, I'll dox myself, 28C, I think is is it, or or because I'm a silver member and we're within the check-in time frame of 24 hours, I can go to what they call like a premier seat. Not first class, just a premier seat, which moves you up closer. Does it give you more room? It gives you... Well, one of the options is is in fact a, a an exit row. Ooh, that's that's more which room. Gives you more room, but you don't get to recline. Although it's going to be you know a seven o'clock flight, so I'm not going to be that tired. There's no recline. Do you usually recline? I do. If it's yeah, I do. Yeah, always. I uh, don't. I think it's fucking rude. Well, that's, that's <laughs> I hate, silly. That's I hate fine. people who recline. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Because <laughs> that because then if. If because it's, it's almost it's almost always not, into my knees. Well, uh, I think it's effing rude that you're that tall. I mean, no, because if people recline, honestly, I swear to God, I will keep kneeing their seat. Yeah, and I will keep bumping which is it obviously on, rude. on purpose. Like, if the airlines <laughs> not, don't want people like to mean. recline, then they shouldn't have the seats allow it. Well, right? Wouldn't that make sense? Um, how come I can't put my feet up on your seat? Literally put my feet up over your seat. Otherwise, they should make the seats taller, Terry. I, I'm sure. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing an airline uh, stewardess yeah. would stop you from doing that. I'm guessing they would, but make the seats taller so I can't put my feet up on your head. <laughs> I don't think it's the same. I will. I will constantly like move around and bump that chair because I mean that's fine until someone either turns around and be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were so tall." And it's funny because I think I love the internet to suggest. What's more rude, right? Rightfully reclining, or intentionally kicking someone's seat? You're telling me that rightfully reclining is more rude. No, I didn't say okay, that. Okay, okay. Let's be clear on that. Anyway, and my I kick question, the seat and bump it with my knees. My question <laughs> is: here, here's the the only dilemma to this because normally I'd instantly move up into one of these better seats because I think they also give you a few more points. Oh, that's cool. Which is kind of silly. Like I reserved a seat. In whatever section, if you end up flying in a different section, they give you more points, but it doesn't cost me anything to move to that section. Here's the here's the only conversation, though. Here's the only challenge. Do I give up the aisle seat to go to a middle seat that might have more room? Yeah, you, yes, hundred percent. Why do you why do you care about the aisle seat? 
the aisle seat means there's only one person next to me, and then I have an aisle. Okay. If what, I go to a middle seat... What good is the aisle, though, other than having one person next to you? Only having one person next to you. Okay. Eh, that doesn't matter. Or do I go to a middle seat and potentially make two people less excited to sit on both sides of me? Yeah. That, that's the question I'm currently faced with. <laughs> I, I, I can check in now. <sighs> yeah. I, it's honestly like... Because I'm going to be less comfortable in a middle seat. Let's just put it that way. I, if you haven't noticed... I'm not thin. Yeah, but you're not that big. I'm not that big that like I'm that you're taking I'm, up. Like, I'm I, spilling over, you I, know, <laughs> and 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 you know, making other people sweat. I, I know that. I told you this my first flight to from Milwaukee to Detroit is where my first layover was on the way to USCGC. I got a seat that was a twofer. I was in an exit row, so I'd have more space. Because that's what I always shoot for. Because I don't want to bump people. Like I do. Again, if they if they recline their 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 into into my knees, uh-huh. you have to you have to be cognizant of people around you. You can't just do whatever you want because you're allowed. Otherwise, I should be able to stick my feet out in the aisle as far as I want. Oh, sorry, people are walking. Well, there. you you can until they'll they'll tell you to move them because I, they can't be there for safety reasons. I, great. That's so, again like that. That's a protocol. Yeah, it's like the people who just take off their shoes and stuff. That's, that stuff's gross. But anyway, so I I always try to shoot for seats that have more space. There was a gentleman next to me who planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. At least 400 pounds, at least. And so there's two of us. And he clearly picked the the exit row because probably his size. He's mm-hmm. He was a little taller, but he was very large up top. And the entire... The entire flight, which was only thankfully about an hour, I had to sit at like a two o'clock position into the aisle because I couldn't sit straight up because he was so, his, he was so large. And I'm not a small guy. I'm not like you know my shoulders are wide. I'm six foot six. I'm not like crazy skinny. I'm not Gannon Burr. I can like crawl under a seat. I have, you know, I'm yeah, wide. You got some girth to you, boy. I got a little girth to me, boy. But all the entire trip, every time a, a stewardess walked by, she hit me with her cart. Mm-hmm. Every time a person walked by, they bumped into me. And I heard so many people like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, nope, I get it. And the guy, I think he knew because he was like, I'm, at one point he said he was sorry. He's like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm like, I get it. I, I, I'm not blaming you for your size like that. 
whatever, but it was uncomfortable for me the entire time. So like to me, an aisle seat, I'd rather have the seat next to the window. Well, and and unfortunately that's also not an option. I know it's not an option or I will just take more space and be in a middle seat. Personally, I I'm a big fan of aisle is always my go-to window is obviously my secondary then. And then middle and just no one, no matter what size you are, you can be, you can be the the size of Mm. Katrina Allen and you don't generally love a middle seat because you're always then you're, you're the risk is of course, if there's, large people next to you sure uh so nobody loves a middle seat because you're literally doubling your chances of having uh you know being crunched correct being smushed so that's where some of my decision making comes in that's why sometimes and you do have a little even a little more space width wise in those seats as well a little bit sometimes depends on the airline and the exact in the exact plane now and i'm also the first to admit out of just uh a nicety I generally do not, even though I'm almost always one of the first 15 or 20 people on a plane uh, for Southwest because I'm I'm an A-list member, so you, you get on in the first 15, 20 people or so, I almost never take the exit rows. I generally will leave them assuming a taller person would enjoy it more than nice. I would. Yeah. I have the choice to, but... I usually won't take it. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of being able to recline. But I generally won't take that because I usually feel as if, eh, I know a taller person would appreciate this leg room more than I will. So there, there's a give and take there. Of course, there's pleasantries and there's things you can do to be nicer or more rude. But I think someone reclining, when given the option to recline, I think it's, I don't think is necessarily I, rude. I think it's okay Assuming you look around and you make sure it's someone behind like, you. Oh, they're not tall enough or they're too yeah. tall? Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if again, it, I think it's common courtesy, you know. It's just, now, I know they do make, and I saw this, I heard about this yeah. years ago. They make a little wedge or a jam, like a little plastic jam. Uh, I could never see doing that because anti- I, 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 <laughs> you'd rather kick them than, uh, than stop them. Than, from, than, than jam something into their seat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah here you risk. go. <laughs> My for, First Google search shows. Yeah. Now this is 2014. It says this $22 gadget could kick you, kick, get yeah. you kicked off a flight. Yeah. See, and I it's would a not... knee defender, a pair of plastic wedges that lock in a seat in a position mm-hmm. so it can't be reclined. Yeah. Is the knee defender legal for the reasons described mm-hmm. below? I'm... Use of the knee defender does not violate FAA regulations unless an individual uses the device against the express instructions of the flight crew. So it looks like there's some now just because it's not illegal via or uh, via like, FAA doesn't mean <laughs> that the flight attendants correct. Um, anyway, I just I knew that existed. Mm-hmm. I had heard of it. Uh, here's a a forty two dollar version that's out on Amazon. <laughs> that's funny. They call them knee defenders, yeah. and and usually if somebody if if, if and I thankfully I've only had to do it a few times. Someone feels me bumping their seat because I, I make no problems doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't purposefully go and like hit it. If I can find a comfy way to sit, I will. But usually, and so if I have no one next to me, which is really nice, then I don't worry about it because I can kind of just turn my knees. But again, a lot of times if you're in the middle seat or a side seat, and you, you have either the plane wall there or somebody else, you're stuck. Um, 
if somebody turns around, I'm always like, uh, sorry about that. I'm really tall. And when you recline, it's, they're like, good. It's, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, it just, it's, it's uncomfortable. And most of the time they're good. I've never had anybody sure. not be good about it. Like, oh, sorry about that. So, but the, the other move that I always do now is, um, with, with Delta, I usually fly comfort plus mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's an option, I booked so late that it was not an option. Um, so this time I just got whatever seat was available with my carry on. As I walk into the plane, I put it in the first available spot that's open, whether it's comfort plus, whether it's if I'm in seat 40 or whatever, and it's, and this is in seat 15, I just walk up and put it in. There's no point in going back to where I am. I just, as the, almost the very first one, assuming it's not first class that, yeah, you, they're, they they are, they, I, they will mess yeah, with they'll, you. They'll stop you. They'll stop you from that. that. But if it's even Comfort Plus, they don't usually stop you. And normally the Comfort Plus boards before you. So I tend to kind of scan and see, well, is are they already full? Like are the people already sitting there? Cuz if they're already sitting there, there's probably no more bags that are going up there. So then I put my bag right up in there. This way when I get off, when I get when the plane lands and I need to walk, I get up I walk as I walk through. I grab my thing as I'm walking and head right out the door. I, I can understand that move. I I I think protocol wise, I don't think that's really. I don't know if anyone nothing, would argue with that. Yeah, um, nothing against if, that. If they would have a problem with that, it does make sense uh, to grab it. Uh, the the only thing that could suck, that can suck about that, for instance, would be someone who does, let's say, have a comfort plus, but we'll just say it wasn't right there at walking in or somehow is back further in the line. Sure. By the time they get to their seat or they're boarded, then the one that's logically above them is no longer available. And then somehow they have to put it back farther or check from it. where they are <laughs> that, or they have to check it. Well, yeah, I mean, that could suck. No different than if I have to go back and like, any, well, if anybody has to go back further and check it, because if, if I'm, if I get on and I'm seat 15 B and I walk up to 15 B and there's already, and that area is already full, which in theory should be dedicated to me, one of them, mm-hmm. but it's already been full because maybe I didn't board right away or someone else got in in front of me, then I'm out of luck and I, and for whatever reason, well, I, I mean, need to go back further. A, or a lot of times so, they, they're, too bad, so sad. they're scaling them by, they're scaling them by what your boarding position is. So when you're in group, I'll just say three or four mm-hmm. on a flight, there's a roll of the dice that you're not going to get it. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to be the one that uh, checks your bag. Like that's by design. Well, then the comfort plus person should have got in sooner. That's, but that would be the, yeah, exactly. I, um, my, on my final, uh, when I got to Charlotte and had to go from Charlotte to Atlanta, Atlanta to Milwaukee, they flat out said they're like, listen, if you're in the last two boarding zones, yeah. we don't have room. We were yeah. are probably going to force you to check your bag. So if you choose to check it now, you can board on main one. Mm-hmm. So I walked up right away. Yeah. I said, all right, I'll check my bag if because I think I was in uh, checking main two. And there's a, still a three and a four, I believe. But mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, they usually. I, I was like, whatever. I'll check it, and then I can just pick it up at the airport. I could. I can get my wedge so quicker. I can get my wedge I can get out. My anti recliner wedge. That's right. That quicker. And so, uh, and so that was that's what I'd done. And then think <laughs> it was it was really fast because they I didn't even have to wait at uh, luggage check. It was already there when I walked down there. So it worked out perfect. But yeah, that's, yeah, good uh, old beauty of travel and all the, uh, the tricks that do and don't go along with it sometimes <laughs> scott Martin says johnny's like the honey badger <laughs> i just don't care 
Yeah. Do, I'm going to do whatever I want. Damn. Just, I'm, a, I'm a badass, Terry. Yes. Clearly. Clearly. Just a badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Got to defend those knees. Yeah. That's right. Something like that. Uh, anything else? Uh, I was going to say anything else off of uh, the socials or otherwise that was uh, noteworthy. I mean, obviously, all the weekend, all the attention this weekend focused so much on these two incredible events. What I don't think we're going to see the end of the conversation, and I don't need to carry it on anymore, is just the fact of, you know, the 18, the whole 18 drama and call on it. That's going to continue. It eventually die. Hopefully people listen to some of the podcasts she's been on to realize the situation that happened, the way it happened. I think a lot of people postulated, speculated, of course. inserted their own, you know, thought process. I think one of the more interesting, this is a tangent to it, though. One of the more interesting responses that we've gotten out of it, regardless of of play and team and this and that and all the other takes that are there, how much I hate artificial OB and it shouldn't be there. Mm. I first of all, I don't want to say it's on every course. Clearly, it's not. But that that wouldn't have solved anything on eighteen. Well, if be, there be, was an OB, if there was no OB string there. And she hit and then rolled into the water, but then then she would have clearly hit somewhere in the ground and they would have said she touched inbound. She would have touched sure, but inbounds if there was no line to start. For that there. particular incident, but let's say that everything is inbounds, she hits the tree up above and falls in the water. You could still be arguing. You, you could still arguing, oh, I, I clearly crossed over the, the shore right here and it fell and it hit this branch and it kind of ricocheted in and there, the, it doesn't change the situation overall it might change this particular incident sure but ultimately you're still going to have the same uh questionable calls in the future yeah but uh, but i get it like some people don't like artificial ob and i've i've come to realize that it's you know it's an important part i, I was never a hater of it but i, I just uh you need it at some point i and honestly i prefer a defined line when it comes to water I prefer the artificial OB line yeah. because it's definitive. It doesn't change throughout the day. It doesn't it doesn't move up and down day after day. Like one day, oh, that that is we got a ton of rain overnight and now it's three inches higher or an inch and a half higher. It just it is consistent. Yeah, and you you There's know no just one of a hundred examples you could yeah. say of that is you think of hole sixteen at the uh, glass blown or excuse me the dynamic disc uh, you owe a dollar uh over at the emporia country club for many years they didn't have a defined line and then if there was a questionable call everybody lost their mind and said why isn't this defined da, 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 da. and then you put up a line there and everyone says why is the line there <laughs> <It should be. laughs> but anyway the point is there's there is a black and white or in this case just pure white line as to what defines the actual <laughs> OB there and I think that is a great scenario where that exactly needs to play out like you're saying because then you know well is it on some rocks is it not is it you know sticking out of the water is it not um, is this yeah because is this I, muddy area considered water exactly or so I mean that would be my instant rebuttals when when the people say I hate artificial OB there needs to be no artificial OB there's a perfect case in point. Hole 16 at the Emporia Country Club. Do you want OB on the front of that island or not? Do you want a string there? Because otherwise, we're just going to have an argument every single year as to whether or not a disc is in bounds. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's going to happen. So, 
there there's no perfect there's no perfect solution, but um that's one of the scenarios that definitely comes to mind and one of the big conversations and it's like I think you're also missing the fact that the entire USDGC has for 25 years been predicated on their on artificial OB yeah, and- on on ropes or rocks they were or like islands the f- or hay bales. First like, event that pretty that, much, yeah, that like strung out so much rope. Yeah, you may love or hate it, but just so you know, like the IDG or IDGC, the USDGC, uh, essentially invented that at a high le- high level, high, uh, you know, highly prestigious event. So, if you want to remove all the rope, I'm just letting you know that. And I'm and again, if you want to, fine. Just letting you know, that's what the entire USDGC has been uh, built upon. Um, Carney says, I don't mind playing artificial OB. It looks bad at home on coverage. Uh, really bad if it is just a rope in the middle of the grass, the same length or color. I mean, one of the I think one of the biggest changes that they did last year that I, I do really, really enjoy is the fact that those ropes are now, a lot of the ropes throughout the course, are inlaid in the ground or cut into the ground. Yeah. And then you have the rocks as a defining or a, as a, as a as, landmark, as a visual, as a visual landmark. I mean, rewind, look five years ago, there was a rope that was run along the ground, thousands and thousands of feet of rope that lo- runs along the ground. That was the official OB rope. And then they had another rope at about 18 inches up that runs above it that gives you kind of an actual visual. So there's two ropes on every single hole out there. Mm-hmm. And just last year, they really made that concerted effort and inlaid uh, most of the ropes so a, a mower could go right over the top of them in most of the spots and then you know had the longer grass in some scenarios and then also had the rocks. I think it's a much more natural look that is easy, more easily repeatable as well. I agree. It looks consistent. great. Um, Artificial OB is fine if done in a fair in a in a way that is easily defined and easily seen from the T pad. Seen from who? From how long? On what hole? Like, you know, the let's let's just play pretend and say uh hole nine, the new hole nine at at Maple Hill has OB somewhere that's up and over the bend. Well it does technically. Like that's not seen from a T pad. Like I, I I kind of understand where you're going with it, but uh, how does it have to be seen or defined or known for sure from a T? I think that's impossible and to to us because of the way just topography. It's great whole for shape. it's it's great for viewers. I don't think it matters to the players as much because these players walk these courses. They see where where the OB is for the most part. Obviously within a, a specific area like holland had said she thought where it hit on that dirt was in bounds and you know no matter how you look at it if it was that close if it was an inch or so off then you know she she still knew about where the ob line was and i bet you she she definitely couldn't see it otherwise she probably would have known so yeah i don't know uh a couple of quick shout outs i also wanted to give uh jay and des Celebrating 28 years mm-hmm. uh, this during USDGC slash Throw Pink. Congratulations to them. 28 years of marriage. Oh, uh, hundreds of kids that came through that they were doing work with. I, I talked with Jay on, uh, I believe, Saturday. 
Yes. That's great. So uh, congrats to them. And then also a couple others that I've hung out with that are uh, always a good time at every event, anywhere in the country, wherever they might be. And then uh, just all around great ambassadors for the sport. Uh, Brent and Nora got married this weekend. So congratulations. I wanted to shout them out. I got to play some golf with them a few months ago. Um, but they got married this weekend. And one other thing that's a little more near and dear to my heart, and it's unfortunate it had to conflict this year, although it's in a transition year of going from um, some of our uh, other TDs to some new TDs, but they still wanted to put on an event and make it happen. Uh, Rocky Mountain Women's Disc Golf Championship, sponsored by Dynamic Disc and Fly Green. That still went on this weekend. Of course, we had a lot of our biggest names in the sport were down at Throw Pink, but congratulations, Erica Weir, who I know has put effort and blood, sweat, and tears into the event and in the local scene, and Eddie and the rest of the crew, along with Kim Colvin, your TD, and uh, Ben uh, Fairley, and just all of these guys, uh, and I, I don't know them all, but a lot of people have put a lot of work into continuing to see that move forward. So Rocky Mountain Women's Disc Golf Championship took place this weekend, and uh, I look for that to grow and continue to thrive and probably get back to its insane attendance and uh, overall love and support that it deserves. So I want to get those shout-outs in there. Uh, Also, reading off the board quickly, I, I, I don't think I could ever really go with Disc Blaster is a genius, especially when he himself is probably the one writing it. So, uh, no. Carney asks, I'll, I'll recap quickly. We had a Smashbox exclusive in the regular show. One Baby Macbeth arrived in 1010, as in today. Uh, 7 pounds, 10 ounces at 8.31 a.m. this morning. That's such a little baby. Seven pounds, ten ounces. Yeah, not not big. No, not it's, little. A, it's an average size yeah. baby, probably. Uh, Pablo Genesis Macbeth. Pablo Genesis Macbeth. That's a Smashbox exclusive, and uh, a few other close friends and family knew, but I was given permission to make that a Smashbox exclusive announcement tonight. So, congrats to the Macbeth family. You know All what? Right. Pablo Junior is not going to get. Um, a disc from tonight's Patreon giveaway. Uh, I mean, we could make him eligible. I don't think so. No, no, he's not a Patreon supporter yet. Nope, he will and be he though. Ain't winning, he will be though. I guarantee you. his first uh, allowances are going to come to Smashbox TV. If you want to be like Pablo Junior, you can get on Patreon.com/slash Smashbox TV. Want to be like or not want to be like? Well, he's going to get a step ahead of him. Going to get a step ahead of him. I mean, we got giveaways, folks. We have giveaways. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be eligible for our weekly giveaway. We usually give away a disc or some fun, fun little uh, trinket or something. Maybe sometimes it's a piece of clothing, but mostly it's a disc. We almost always give More away a not. disc. So tonight we're going to we have a hundred and thirty three people eligible for our giveaway. Terry Miller. How should we? Not how should we give it away. We already know how we're going to give it away. What number should we draw to uh, give away this? I sorted it by email address tonight. I would say the only logical way is 25. I mean, 25th anniversary. Of the US. Mm. No. Okay. How about this? It was Holland's first throw pink victory and Kyle Klein's first USDGC victory. We'll add those up for two. Second person. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Uh, all right. So our very first number that we're not going to give anything to is 115. Ouch. The winning number is 
is 105. 105. Let's scroll down here. Like I said, I started it by email address tonight. 105 is Samuel Martin. Congra- congratulations, Samuel Martin, at the $5 level. Much appreciated, Samuel. Is that the Samuel. Sam Martins that's out there on the board, or is that a different Sam? We've, uh, I think we have two of them. We, we might have two Sams. So, nonetheless, uh, thank you so much, Samuel Martin. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get you, uh, I'll send Terry your information, assuming it's your up-to-date email address and everything, uh, and your address in Wichita. Spoiler. So. Wichita. Doxed him already. Yeah, pretty much. Sam from Wichita. He's Who li- lives at 44782. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it has to be both of us, LOL, Sam on the board says. No. No. Nope. I don't think so. This is pilot Sam. Uh, but if this is the other Sam that I'm thinking of, uh, I do want to throw it out there that, yes, cold turkey registration is going to happen probably in the next week or two. Uh, so if you're looking to play in my C tier immediately following the... Thanksgiving holiday. That's when that happens. Cold Turkey. Uh, it'll be taking place the Saturday and Sunday uh, split divisions. Saturday or Sunday is a better way to word that. Um, I've got it all set up on disc golf scene, but I'm going to get it uh, released here soon. So if anybody wants to be part of that, uh, look for it to come out soon. I should give a special pre authorization to any smashies and Patreon subs, you know, get you in there early. Uh, I don't know if it'll sell out this year. It'll probably be close. We'll have 72 spots on Saturday and 72 on Sunday for those who want to come play. And another quick shout out, uh, a a very near and dear friend to us and uh, one of the original true smashies in every sense, Gary to the O, who you hear us talk about all the time, who's done a million things, works now with the Disc Golf Network after being you know with us here at Smashbox, his wife, Caitlin, is celebrating a birthday today. So I wanted to say happy birthday to Caitlin. And we, yeah. we didn't even congratulate Simon Lazat on the <laughs> announcement of his second child that he didn't get a chance to make. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we were supposed to either. So, but yeah, uh, congrats, congrats to Simon. <laughs> Kenny, <laughs> Kenny spilled the beans on that one already. Yeah, uh, that was a apparently a private conversation that Kenny didn't realize wasn't announced yet. Yeah. So, so nonetheless, congrats to congrats. them as well. All right. I don't know if I have anything else uh, in terms of what we need to worry about here. All right. So I think with that, we can close it out. I think so. Uh, Yeah, it's been a good night. I did get my hands on some of the new uh, MVP discs, the the Glow, uh, you know, Simon discs. I've got my hands on the uh, Battle Packs from Discraft. I also got my hands on a few Castaplast discs that people were losing their mind over this weekend. I got my hands on some uh, misstamped or misstamped, double stamped uh, Discraft discs. Uh, yeah, I spread the love around. Uh, picked up a few Innova discs, picked up a, a DD disc or two. Spread some love around. So, uh, but yeah, excited that the battle packs are coming out soon. I think I can release those soon, and those uh, Simon Lazat discs can be released soon, maybe tomorrow or the next day. So. Look for those. It'll be fun. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Kinga, we see you coming in from Australia. We love you, buddy. I know he's got some stuff out on uh, Alta World and some other write-ups, so make sure you guys check those out. We love that guy. 
Rahalan Hanley, who joined us in the regular show, congrats to her, congrats to Kyle Klein, congrats to everyone at Throw Pink, and especially one of our favorite smashies and Sarah Nicholson, who was your tournament director on record for this weekend, who knocked it out of the park, as you would expect, uh, along with uh, Jonathan Poole and the rest of the guys over at USDGC and Innova and, and uh, US Disc Golf. For Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. That's Podcast 475's After Show. We'll see you next week after the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships wraps up our season. We'll see you then. You step inside the Smashbox.